This is it right here. Combining a team of reporters, columnists, and commentators. Don't you ever talk about me! Are you serious? Jack Ebling has brought thought-provoking discussion. What are you doing? That's a damn coaching mistake. Opinion. The customer is the one who decides when the future gets here. Oh, no! The ship is on fire! Let's check the report. Are you kidding me? That game was fixed. And overall infotainment. I'll take Jim Harbaugh. What has he done? Crazy cooter coming at you. Let's <laughs> go! Quiet, please. In exactly 15 seconds, we'll be on the air. Thanks, big fella. Don't you ever come back here again. No arguments. Those are called ass tunes. So buckle up. You talking to me? Whoa! It's time for The Drive with Jack Ebling. Yeah, for some reason or another, you sound a little taller on radio. Great afternoon, mid-Michigan and beyond, and welcome to The Drive with Jack. It is a spotlight radio network. Jack Ebling here with my producer today, Boston Rob. 54 degrees and partly cloudy here in mid-Michigan. Weather we would gladly take on Saturday night. Don't know that we're going to get that. Uh, Doesn't appear that it's going to be that nice. Going to get some rain. Michigan State has a lot of other issues besides the weather. We will be talking about uh, Major League Baseball and the playoff games here. We'll talk a little bit about the Detroit Lions, which still have not lost a road game and a back on the road this week in Baltimore. And we're going to spend a lot of time talking about Big Ten football, especially Michigan, Michigan State, and no one better to do that with than... My longtime radio and television partner, more than 21 and a half years, Blue Belly Tom, Tom Crawford. Tom, you're just back from Ann Arbor? Are you still there? Yeah, yeah, I went to Ann Arbor this morning. Uh, and it's fall. It's, um, I'm not, I still can't get used to this fall break thing, you know, that, uh, that Michigan has. I don't know if Michigan State has. I think Central has some of these other schools where the kids have it off. So they, that practice, everything was moved up today, just like the press conference yesterday. They don't have to go to class today. They get off uh, today or yesterday and today. So, yeah, we had uh, Phil Martelli was uh, was hosting, if you will. Um, Juwan Howard coming off the heart surgery. Um, right. And Phil addressed that right off the bat. said, listen, for yeah. for all you old guys out there, you know, listen to what your body's telling you. If you're not if you're feeling a little bit off, go get yourself checked out. That's what Juwan did. And, uh and it worked out well for him. He had, you know, he had a, a valve problem, and uh, they got it remedied. He's, I'm not sure how long he's going to be out, but um, it's probably going to, I would think, another month or so. I don't know. Um, it really wasn't disclosed, but Phil was there, and you know, Phil, he's a great storyteller, and uh, yeah, yeah, Saudi Washington, and and Jay Smith, uh, Howard Isley was not there, but um, so we and had all the players, so. You know what you know what those media things those scrums are like. You go around the tables and and find out. Um, although Michigan basketball, you know, it's like not a lot of buzz. Uh, is that a fair statement? <laughs> yeah, I would say so. <laughs> I'm curious, Tom. Who is the second in command? I saw Sadi at Big Ten Media Days in Minneapolis, uh, but uh, Phil obviously has more experience. Who is running the show with Juwan gone? It's it's Phil, and and he's the associate uh, okay. head coach, and and okay. Saudi is a, I think Saudi is assistant. But I, I you know I, this is what 
you know, Juwan does a nice job of, of giving his coaches, you know, opportunities for responsibility. And I asked, in fact, I asked Saudi, I grabbed a lot of video that I'm going to be posting over the next few weeks, especially when basketball draws a little bit closer where there's, because right. this is all archive stuff, that timeless stuff that you can, you can uh, apply, you know, right up until the season starts. And, mm-hmm. and Saudi really, really appreciated Juwan giving him an opportunity. You know, Saudi, he's incredibly well-spoken and um, works for the bigs, and uh, and so he he enjoyed that. But no, Phil is Phil is the guy um, as far as they're running the practice. We saw an hour of practice today, and um, you know it's like uh, my biggest in, you know thing I'm I'm most inquisitive about with Michigan basketball are they going to improve their perimeter shooting game, which has been a weakness the last two years. Right, right. And, la- and even though they question. had yeah yeah they had Jet Howard last year who's a shooter, but it was. He took a lot of ill-advised shots. Um, we've talked about that, but um, so you know, Phil says it's improved, and um, the, the players that we talked to said it's improved. So I, you know, small sample size here. So I go to practice, and then I, I saw more misses than makes. I'll just, <laughs> I'll just say that. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's pretty shallow to say that, but maybe you know, and this is kind of skelly drills and things like that. But um, they got to be a better shooting team. Um, because that was definitely a weakness last year. Well, uh, it'll be a very different Michigan basketball team without Hunter Dickinson in the middle and uh, without Jet and Kobe Bufkin, who I thought was Michigan's was best terrific. player a year ago. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And Jalen Llewellyn, who um, is, is, you know, who he was there when he practiced, but he's limited in practice. He hasn't really been cleared to practice, uh, full practice. Um, and so – that's a concern. So it's, you know, you got Doug McDaniel back. I mean, when you think about the go-to guys and you got Terrence Williams, who's a four-year guy, and right. uh, and then, you know, he's a utility kind of guy. But the guy that that uh, the other players talk about is a, a, a transfer from Tennessee called Olivier Kamwa. Okay, he's 6'9", about 235, and I guess he is really raising some eyebrows um, and and he's you know he's originally from from Finland but he's from uh, from Maryland and um, and he went to Tennessee and then and went into the transfer portal and he's playing for Michigan now so um, he's he's a banger and he, and he can he can score but uh, we'll see how that goes. What about the nation's first president, uh, George Washington? <laughs> I didn't ask him the George Washington question, which oh. is typically. How's the, how do you like being the father of our country? You know, Did you ask um, him if he'd ever been across the Potomac. <laughs> uh, no, he's he's a nice young man. Um, um, a little, I mean, a lot of these freshmen come in there and they get a little bit overwhelmed. I mean, it's an adjustment to school, first of all, and um, and just getting started. But uh, he's expecting playing time. I think it's going to be a it's a no star team. Yeah, um, it's picked 11th in the Big Ten uh, Big Ten Media Days last week uh, out of 14. I don't remember mm-hmm. ever being that low down back. You got to take, go back to Brian Elbery days. I can't remember right. back then what right. they were. So low expectation, no pressure. But yeah. the expectation for Michigan basketball, Jack, is you know it's different than football. I mean, Michigan basketball fans, if, if they if they're competitive, if they can get an NCAA bid, they're happy. It's a it's a niche group of fans. It's not it doesn't have the that expansive following that football has, obviously. 
but um but it's it's got a it's got a loyal group of, of fans that come and and uh their you know their their needs their demands are much lower than football all right two quick questions for you tom before we move on to football will this team make the ncaa tournament the nit or no <laughs> tournament and will you miss hunter dickinson uh i will not miss hunter dickinson um, because I would always be, if I myself get annoyed with his comments in the post-game presser and, and then the podcast thing came out and, um, you know, just some of the stuff, um, some of the stuff he did, some of the stuff he did in the Michigan State game in Ann Arbor that um, right down the stretch that was disappointing, which was, other than that, was a perfect night um, for Michigan showing, paying homage to Michigan State following shooting and, Little things like that drive me crazy with with kids, and so I'm not going to miss them. To answer your question, will they get in the NCAA tournament? Because because of the, the, no one expects them to. I think I think they will. I think they'll they'll probably be a nine or a ten seed. But I think there's enough talent on this team um, to scrap their way through there. I just they probably shouldn't think that way, but I just I think there's a lot of um, commitment in the off season. And I think they are very disappointed. They didn't make the tournament last year. And I think it's addition by subtraction this year. I'm talking about with, with Jet Howard, no longer on the team is going to help them. It looks like in the big 10 Tom, and this is not just what the coaches and the media have said, but just about every evaluation preseason, the big 10 has two teams at the top, uh, defending champion, regular season and tournament, Purdue Boilermakers and Michigan State right on their heels, and then five teams that most people think can make the NCAA tournament. Uh, The consensus would be they'll be in the field somewhere. You're talking about Wisconsin, almost everybody back, Illinois, uh, some players who were retained with generous NIL contributions, uh, Indiana, uh, Maryland, and Ohio State. And then right. after those seven schools, there probably will be one or two more that could get in. I think the Big Ten will probably get eight or nine teams in. And so, you know, you've got seven schools fighting for those one or two spots. Michigan could get one of those. Yeah, and a lot of this, you know, it, it starts right off the shoot. I mean, you got to do well in November. I mean, you can really sink your ship in November if you have – yeah. And what, what what has been the downside, you know, what has been the demise of Michigan, um, their NCAA opportunity last year was some bad losses in November and early December. Right. And right. you you can't you gotta you gotta tackle that schedule like every game is important. Um, maybe not the Northwood exhibition game, but, but after that, the open with you and you know UNC Asheville, for example, is their home opener on on November seventh. You cannot afford to lose that game, okay? Right, and you can't right. afford to lose the Youngstown State game, which is a, a few days later. And then you might have to, when you go to the Gavit tip-off uh, games, um, you know they got. I think they got St. John's uh, in the opener. You, you're going to have to grab a win over a credible name. And then you then you yeah. then you set the tone, and then when you go down to the battle for Atlantis, grab one win down there. I mean, this is November we're talking about. You can make or break your opportunity. All right, uh, we'll have plenty of chances to talk about Big Ten basketball and the Wolverines. 
I'm glad to hear that uh, Juwan w- could be back. Uh, yeah. Season opener, very close to it, I would think. Yeah, uh, yeah. You know, it could be close. It wasn't wasn't that disclosed, that but and yeah. I'm happy to talk about football as opposed to basketball, just for I the record. I would think you would be. <laughs> I would think you would be. Let me ask you this. Uh, should Michigan be ranked number one right now? Um, I, I, I think they should be in the top five. I'm, you know, it depends on the criteria. You know, I think, I think they're playing extremely well, but I, I get, you know, and I'm hung up on the schedule thing probably more than I should be, uh, always have been. And I, I always evaluate, uh, how a, a team can only be so good if their competition is, is only so good. Right. I mean, uh, I want to see them. They're an incomplete. I mean, I want to see them against Penn state and then I, I can move them to the top of the front of the class, just like that. Um, but I, I, I got to see it, you know, to believe it. I think, I think they're, they're doing what they have to do and they can't control the schedule. The players can't. Okay. And they're demolishing. I mean, they're, they're, they're a complete team. They're a balanced team. They're passing and running ratios are like, you know, pretty even Steven. They're the, one of the least penalized Michigan teams I can ever recall. Yeah, um, they had two penalties just last week, and that doubled the amount they had the week before, and they had zero the week before that. So um, three penalties yeah, in three weeks—that's incredible. That's pretty good. And if they can do that against good teams, but you can do that against bad when you when you're playing really good teams, then your tendency to commit penalties goes up, right? That's normal. And right. so um, you know that's why I can't really rank them number one. I'm not into the rankings right now. Until, for Michigan standpoint, at least until until they get to that Penn State game. After the Penn State game, I'm all up for evaluation. <laughs> uh, do you think the strength of this team? I pick one area right now: is offense, defense, or special teams? Wow, that's a that's a really good question. Um, I, I think it's defense. I mean, the defense has been phenomenal. The, the offense has been pretty good too, although I think the offensive line is going to have to um, they're going to have to perform uh, against really good competition and execute like they did down at Ohio State last year for me to say that's a strength a core strength of the team. I think they're really good. I don't think they're there where they were last year. The running game, you know, pretty good, but once again, you're playing Indiana, um, Minnesota, Nebraska. Now, Michigan State is a, you know, with, with Michigan State, at least you're playing a physical team by nature, right? Yeah, and you're on the adrenaline. When they play so, in the second half. Yeah, the I understand, quarter, that, I understand that, but it's, but Michigan State's pretty good. Michigan State's defense is pretty good set up for, for uh, going against Michigan's rushing attack, in my opinion. Yeah. So um, yeah. if they, if they, you know, knock off 250 yards rushing against Michigan State, that will get my attention. But it's definitely, to me, it's it's the defense and, and all three levels in that front line. Mason Graham is an absolute – you watch number 55. If, I mean, just put your, put your field glasses on. I and mean, that cat is a freaking animal. He's a sophomore. Well, I remember another 55 named Graham for yeah, Michigan. Ma- yeah. was pretty good, right? Brandon Graham. Brandon Graham, and who had one of the most uh, ferocious hits in that 2009 game, if yeah. you remember. Um, yeah. Yeah, in that, in that north end zone, I'm trying to think the running back. Um, and, yeah, he, and he, he I played remember in the chasing Javon Ringer down the sideline, and Ringer's oh, yeah. fast, and he's going, yeah. you know, and 
Graham almost caught him. I mean, oh, he you was mean running, in Ann Arbor? In Ann Arbor? Driving. In Ann Arbor? Yeah. I remember that was a, that was an eye opening play. Uh, you know, and I think about the guys. Michigan rushing attack, Tom. Uh, yeah, Blake Corum is terrific, and you know the offensive line has been the best in the country the previous two years. But the thing I think is scariest is what J.J. McCarthy can do. Absolutely, and if, especially if you're playing man defense. And he gets you with four verticals, and you've got your back turned. Uh, you know, I think you would almost have to play a lot of zone against Michigan, but he's such an accurate passer. You know, if he throws five incompletions in a game, you're surprised. Well, you got to so, put a spy on him. Yeah, you know, this yeah, is why I was in that. Guess good luck getting a spy who can tackle him. This is why I started this whole thing a year and a half ago. I mean, that Cade McNamara, JJ McCarthy thing, because. Yeah. Yeah. Of his ability to run downhill, he adds. He puts so much pressure on his defense. He was yeah. fourteen of seventeen for two twenty-two against yeah. Indiana. He's been very. Prof- he's making better decisions. He had a he had a bad decision-making game against Bowling Green, but other than that, he's graded out extremely Those well. Are the only three interceptions he's had. Yeah, exactly. And um, yeah. but um, you know he's uh, and he's his biggest critic, and he's he's the big. You know he's an inspirational leader on this team. They look to him, and um, and and so yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a that's the 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 part of the offense is that dual threat quarterback, and you know as far as running downhill, and and he you know he can spin that ball too. I mean he can throw some lasers. So you have seen every Michigan quarterback in person since Bob Timberlake, right? Yeah, yeah. Who was up in the press box, by the way, yeah. this past oh. week? <laughs> okay. I don't, he doesn't look exactly like he could play, but um, he was up there. <laughs> yeah, reverent, yeah. So uh, uh, would you say of all those quarterbacks, and I'm not talking about what someone did with the New England Patriots. Oh, I know where I'm you're talking going about. At the yeah. collegiate level, is J.J. McCarthy the best Michigan quarterback you have seen? Uh, answer yes, and I've been answering that yes. Um, since the back half of last year, I said he's going to be if he's not already. If we're still having to continue to evaluate, I mean, my, in another you know, year he would be uh, worthy of a Heisman invitation. I don't know if they're going to, you know, just have three there if he's going to crack that. But uh, certainly, uh, you know, other years without what we have in the Pac-12, let's say this: he would be uh, definitely a Heisman invitee if you broke off the Pac-12 to another country. Yeah, exactly. And and you know what? There's some um, – Matt Leiner just said yesterday, a couple of days ago, an analyst, a uh, former USC quarterback, mm-hmm. said he, he pinpointed J.J. as a as a dark horse candidate for the Heisman. And he, I'm sure he's basing it on the fact of opportunity to right. showcase his skills in two particular games. Right. And you can right. – you know, those are big enough games – if you've done all your, if you've done all the the homework prior to that, and you haven't had bad games, and then when you can, if you can crush it in those two exams, if you will, in November 11th and November 25th, you could be in the discussion. There's no question. How many teams and how many Heisman candidates season begins on November 11th? Oh, uh, a lot. You know, and and Michigan's um, national championship. Uh, you know. Their their uh, aspirations and realistic expectations are. We're going to learn so much in that game. I mean, it's um, kind of scary for Michigan fans, but this is what we've been waiting for because this has kind of been yeah. 
boring. Fo- this has been the strangest combination of of fun, fun, to, fun to go down to the stadium, but sometimes flat out boring because they just haven't had any competition. And once again, no fault of theirs as far as the players, and they're doing what they got to do. But you you want them to be tested. You want them to be under the gun, and uh, we're not going to. You know, we we could potentially. I know you you probably disagree with me, but I mean, his history tells me that Saturday night in East Lansing could be a test because of just historically what happens when Michigan goes to Spartan Stadium. You know, since 1985, I mentioned this on Press Pass, in 85 and 83 they had blowout wins, but since that time their wins have been, the most has been 17, and most of them have been nail-biting wins, and they've had nail-biting losses. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I would say that uh, I picked Michigan to win the national championship before the season, as you know, and I... I said I thought they would be 12 and 0 and I think they'll be 12 and 0 or 11 and 1. I don't think they'll be 10 and 2. But I can't remember a team of this quality playing worse opponents in the first 9 games. And no, most this is that, why I brought yeah. 6 no, of them I, uh not their fault. That's just the way the schedule worked out in the Big 10. They didn't des- design it. But the first 3 games would have really served Michigan well, not just in preparation for Penn State, but also, uh, you know, people are going to start splitting hairs with these teams. And when you look at the schedule, Michigan doesn't get any points. But it won't matter if Michigan runs the table because because they'll have the the cred. If they're the Big Ten champion as an undefeated, there's no arguing that they've, They've beaten two quality opponents. I mean, and you look at so look at Penn State's non-conference slate. We talked about that the other night. I mean, Delaware yeah. and uh, UMass. Uh, yeah, yeah. Penn State West also Virginia. has played uh, the best team in the West and beat them thirty-one to nothing. You're talking about Iowa, yeah? Yeah. Was that Iowa? And Iowa right now is ranked, and it looks yeah. like, hey, there is a chance. I know you're going to laugh at this, but there is a chance that Iowa could make the college football playoff. Oh, absolutely! It'd be the ugliest team to ever do that. But um, right. you know, if they like these these uh, you know rainy, cold, when you know November games, it's 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 right. it fits it fits them very well. But um, yeah, I mean, like I said, it's you know that they, they what Michigan's done with their schedule, though they've gotten they've developed depth and and execution and things like that, and and now but they they have enough validity, if you will, if they win those two games and even beating Maryland on the road. I know Maryland took a step back this week, but um, that would be a, a, a decent win. That's a bowl team. Yeah. And, and and UNLV is better than I expected. I mean, there's, you know, you got to look at the, There's no doubt. I mean, the Big Ten champion, yeah. uh, I would say, regardless of whether the Big Ten champion is 13-0 uh, and 0 or 12-1, and 1, uh, is yeah. going to get an invitation. The The problem is that uh, if you don't play anybody in, in the non-conference, that really hurts your chances to come in as a second team from the conference. Not that I think any right. conference is going to get to this year. No, and I don't think. No, I don't. With, with yes. the conference games that Michigan has on the schedule, uh, they are the third of the three right now, and I don't mm-hmm. see that changing should they all be 11-1. and one. No, so Michigan can't. You know, they can't go eleven and one. 
I mean, they could get some help and, and some crazy stuff happen and right, right. slither in there like Ohio State did last year. I mean, that's possible. But, no, they got to they, – they, they, and I think they know that. I mean, they, they know what's ahead of them. And, um, and so, you know, we're talking about um, Iowa for weather. You know, um, the, uh, the rain is supposed to be in the morning on Saturday, and it's supposed okay. to be sunshine in the afternoon and clear at night. Um, okay. okay. And winds at, at 37. I would just look at the weather, and um, I, I'm just curious. And it's going to be cold, though. I'm just curious what you think. Rico made mentioned this the other day of the crowd makeup uh, at Spartan Stadium. Um, do you think Michigan State fans are going to come out there as they typically do, or do you think they are going to sell their tickets? I think a lot of them will come out there because they'll be out there to tailgate. They go out to see friends and socialize and that's big and then i think that uh, depending on the the way the game is going uh they may leave early so you know you may have uh, a decent michigan state turnout at the beginning of the game not like a normal uh michigan michigan state game in east lansing but by the late in the third quarter with what i expect to see i would expect to see uh, lots of empty seats and a lot of uh let's go blue yeah, yeah. Well, that's if that happens. But you know, you you go back to 2016, Jack. Remember? I mean, that was a, I mean, that was a a six point game, wasn't it? Or uh, or or could have been a. I'm trying to think when uh, Michigan State went for two and they scored real late. And they could have got an onside yeah. and went for two, and then Jabril Pippers got the scoop and score and went to a nine. But that was a 23, 24 point margin. Going that was into the strangest that call I can ever remember from Mark D'Antonio. It was. Why that, would you do that when all you had to do was kick the point? Kick the point, and you're still in the hunt. Yeah, instead. You're in uh, the hunt. You, know, you, you take yourself out of it. But, you know, yeah. uh, last thing for you, Tom, I want to get your take on the four teams that are going to be in the college football playoff. <laughs> uh, four teams? Well, you know, I'm going to stick with my – Michigan projection. I just I think they're they're going to be there. I think and I know Brock Bowers got hurt, and you think oh good or Lord I mean, how, how, well, I think he'll be back before they play Alabama. I think Georgia will be in there, and I think there's going to be a a, a, a survivor from. I, I think Oklahoma is going to run the table. They're going to be in there, um, and then the uh, survive, one representative from the Pac-12. I don't. It's probably. I think there's going to be some Florida loss. State. You've had four. Now you've had Michigan, Georgia, Oklahoma, and uh, Pac-12 team. Uh, what about Florida State? I think. I think. Isn't it this weekend they play Duke? Florida State. Uh, uh, you, you think that Duke's going to beat Florida State? I, I, you know, and I know. I think it's in Tallahassee, but I just have a weird feeling that. Okay. I, th- I just feel a, a, I feel a loss coming out of Florida State, and an ACC loss is going to be a, a deal breaker for the ACC. Oh yeah, yeah, it would, it would. ACC champ, I think, is going to have to be undefeated. Oh, no question about it. Yeah. And I, but I think Oklahoma, when you look at their schedule, and, and they beat yeah. Texas. Uh, right. Which is a heck of a team. I think. I think Oklahoma. Oklahoma, run Texas it. are going to play again. It looks like in the championship game, the same way. I think yeah. we're going to see Washington, Oregon, part two. Yeah, and maybe you might have Texas wiggling back in with that. But I think you're. I think you're going to get a Big Twelve representative on that last year. The Big Twelve, a Pac-12, 
a Big right. Ten and SEC. And I think that's, for some reason, I just have a gut feeling that the ACC is going to be left out. Well, that's the one advantage that uh, the Big Ten East survivor will have. It will have the easiest conference championship game. Yeah. So, oh, yeah. Tom, thanks so much for joining us. Hey, great job. Last Sunday on Press Pass, the show aired a little bit later, uh, quite a bit later, actually. Yeah. Uh, an hour and 15 minutes later than expected because of baseball. We get that this time of year with Fox. We do. But uh, that's kind of what we what we have to put up with. And you and Rico going to be back Sunday night. That'll be fun. We'll see what Al Rico's mentality is. And I think call either it one right of you are going to be in Spartan Stadium, right? <laughs> oh, Rico's not going? I don't know that. Well, I think Rico's uh, I, going. I mean, is Rico's he? Okay. doing. Yeah, well, he's doing a remote up here at the Fiji fraternity house. I, I just heard the other the other day. So I mean, okay. he's going to be in East Lansing. So um, okay, yeah, I'm sure well, he's going to be I there. I talked about the people leaving early. Uh, yeah, one there. Rico will leave early if it gets out of hand. He's out of there. <laughs> Tom, thanks so much. I really appreciate it. Appreciate it. Thank Tom you, Jack. See you. We will be right back, and we're going to talk football and basketball. George Blaha, Hall of Fame voice of the Pistons, Michigan State football since 1971. We'll be right back. To everyone who appreciates a fresh meal that comes from the heart, let our team member Emma tell you what's special about the Culver's Way. We take great tasting burgers seriously in Wisconsin. Favorite recipes, fresh ingredients, real Wisconsin cheese. It's a place where traditions matter. So of course it's where Culver's Butter Burger was born. Fresh, never frozen beef, seared to perfection, then topped with a lightly buttered toasted bun. What can we say? To us, it's a whole lot more than a burger. It's a taste of home. From From Wisconsin Wisconsin with love. love. Welcome to Delicious. Hey, Spartan fans. When you want the largest and best selection of Spartan gear, Alumni Hall is your ultimate shopping destination. Come get your officially licensed gear. Nike, Champion, Columbia, Yeti, New Era hats, tailgating gear, and more. MSU students, faculty, and military receive 10% off in-store every day. And you can earn cash back with their Hall Pass rewards. Alumni Hall, located in Eastwood Town Center near the Apple Store. Or shop anytime at alumnihall.com. For the ultimate Spartan shopping experience, it's Alumni Hall. Time for a career change? Looking to make a difference? Dean Transportation is looking for compassionate people to join our dedicated team of school bus professionals. Dean Transportation has immediate openings and offers paid training to obtain a commercial driver's license. With increased starting pay, benefit packages, flexible scheduling with weekday hours, and more, Dean Transportation may be the career choice for you. No experience needed. Apply now and train all summer. Head to deanjobs.com. So, it's been a while since you've had your jewelry cleaned and inspected, right? Where will you go and who will you trust with your most valuable and treasured heirlooms? At Meadowar Jewelers' four locations in Lansing, Okemos, Jackson, and Portage, jewelry isn't just our job, it's our passion. Each and every piece entrusted in our care is thoroughly inspected by our trained staff against damage or normal wear. And we offer you, our customer, the highest level of quality on repairs and custom designs. Whether it's worn-out prongs, channels, or shanks, it's all handled with incredible care. Metawar Jewelers in Lansing, Okemos, Jackson, and Portage want to help you preserve your memories and offer you options on creating new ones. Come in today for the cleaning and inspection of your jewelry. We continue to work hard every day to earn your confidence and trust. 
Jack Evelyn here with my good friend Matt Sloan at Graph of Okemos. Matt, gas prices are still up there, but you've got some good news. I do have good news, Jack. We have lots of different models that are going to help with that issue. I've got the Nissan Sentra, Versa, that all get over 30 miles to the gallon. In fact, the Versa gets 40 miles to the gallon. Wow. Our all-electric Aria has a range of 269 miles. And then on the Chevy side, Trax, Malibu, Equinox, and Trailblazer, all over 30 miles to the gallon. And our brand-new Blazer EV, 320 miles of range. Lots of great options. Stop and see Matt and the gang here. Graph of Okemos, they're making friends. To everyone who craves a rich and creamy hometown treat, let our team member Nevaeh tell you how we do it at Culver's. Every scoop of Culver's fresh frozen custard is made in small batches throughout the day. Because where we come from, the little things make a big difference. Like bringing back a seasonal favorite. Our salted caramel pumpkin concrete mixer and pumpkin spice shake are back for a limited time. Handcrafted with farm fresh dairy and real pureed pumpkin just for you. From From Wisconsin Wisconsin with with love, love, welcome to Delicious. Hey, Spartan fans, when you want the largest and best selection of Spartan gear, Alumni Hall is your ultimate shopping destination. Come get your officially licensed gear, Nike, Champion, Columbia, Yeti, New Era hats, tailgating gear, and more. MSU students, faculty, and military receive 10% off in-store every day. And you can earn cash back with their Hall Pass rewards. Alumni Hall, located in Eastwood Town Center near the Apple Store, or shop anytime at alumnihall.com. For the ultimate Spartan shopping experience, it's Alumni Hall. with Jack, the Spotlight Radio Network. Jack Evelyn here with my producer, Boston Rob. Rob, let's go right out to our guest line, waiting patiently. Our good friend, George Blaha, Hall of Fame voice of the Detroit Pistons, NBA season just around the corner, and been calling Michigan State games since 1971. George, you've seen a lot of seasons, good and bad. How would you describe this one? This one is, it's torturous in many ways because, you know, no matter what people are trying to say about the Spartans, uh, they have solid personnel at the at the least and uh, a good, solid coaching staff, and they could be a one-loss team right now. They've just, they've had, had a lot to do with their buzzards' luck, but they've also had some buzzards' luck. So uh, I feel for them, but I think, Having Michigan come to town will certainly get their attention and make them forget about what's happened recently. At least I hope so. I was just asked the question about what the environment is going to be Saturday besides cold. Uh, Would you guess that it'll look like a normal Michigan-Michigan State game in East Lansing? Would you guess that there will be a lot more blue in the house? Would you guess that uh, some Michigan State fans, depending on the scoreboard, uh, might want to head out early. Uh, it's tough to talk about those kinds of things, but when you think about uh, Michigan State thus far this season at home, I guess you have to wonder. Well, I think most fans want to be at this game, no matter who they're cheering for. Yeah. So the Michigan fans who probably think they have the best team in the country, if not the best team of all time, uh want to come up and watch this team. And certainly the Spartan fans do not want to miss a chance 
to inflict some heartache uh, on the Wolverines. So I think it'll be a fairly normal crowd. You might see a little more yellow there than you normally do, but uh, I think it'll be as mixed. It, you know, I'm always reminded of the time I flew up from Orlando after a Piston game, right. took a helicopter to the state police pad there on Harrison Road when it was there, mm-hmm. and saw looked down on that stadium. It was full because it was after 11.30 with a noon kick, and there were more than as many people outside as there were inside, and everybody had it on either yellow or green uh, or white. There was, uh, <laughs> it was amazing. Uh, it, this is a happening, no matter what the records are. But this year, it's, it's a little bit different. I'll agree with that. George, what does Michigan State have to do to make this a game and be competitive in the fourth quarter? Well, I think they just have to play to their strengths and, and not make mistakes. You know, they need, you know, one or two penalties or, or, or maybe three, but, you know, not a handful. And, and they need to have a, play a clean game. And I, and I think they can. And they need to clean up uh, their special teams' mistakes. That, that, that cost them the Iowa game and cost them the Rutgers game. And, uh, you know, those, a, a lot of teams put their very best, players on special teams and the Spartans have some good players on special teams I bet they put a a few more guys on special teams this week that are uh, their very best and smartest players yeah uh, the punt snap that Michael O'Shaughnessy uh, did not catch uh, wasn't anything that Rutgers did great they just fell on the ball in the end zone but the uh, lob kick over the the wall they were looking for a possible onside kick and it landed in front of Terrell Henry. Uh, should he have caught that ball? Do you think he could have come up and caught it? Or was that just a perfectly positioned kick that bounced the wrong way? Well, it's a live ball. And uh, maybe uh, at least calling for a fair catch, that, that gives you a little yeah. more space. Yeah. And even if you drop it, you might have a chance to fall on it. Uh, and it's a difficult situation, you know. Did you really expect an onside kick, or would you uh, line up normally? Woulda, coulda, shoulda. If you lined up normally, the worst that could happen right. is they got the ball in the forty-five yard line, or or something like that. Uh, so you can always look back. But you know, I, I felt bad for him. He was over there by himself. But uh, you know, it probably wasn't ringing in his ear that this was a live ball, and he had it uh, at worst. Uh, you'll catch it like a punt and fair catch. And uh, it's too bad that happened. And and yeah. I didn't think the snap was that bad. Uh, that oh, was a good snap. That was, was lost. That high? Yeah. yeah, it was It was just at, at eye level. And uh, But I thought Greg Schiano made a good move making the Spartans punt again. And they yeah. wouldn't have had a punt again if they didn't have an illegal That's formation right. when they did punt it. That's right. That's right. Would not have even had that, that snap occur. George, uh, we saw Noah Kim uh, for the first five games of the season. He did some good things, but not enough, and uh, the team did not win. Uh, there were periods where they looked pretty efficient and others where they did not. Kate and they didn't protect in. him like they should have. No, uh, no, and there were a ton of drop passes as well. Uh, we have to talk about that. When you get uh, five, six, eight drop passes in a game, 
it's tough for any quarterback. I think back to Andrew Maxwell that year when everyone was on his case, and he set the NCAA record with 66 drop passes. Yeah. But, uh, you know, when, when Kaden Hauser came in, everyone wanted him to succeed, and for a while, for three quarters, it looked like he played a pretty efficient game, actually scored a touchdown on the ground. Uh, in the fourth quarter, uh, the offense stalled. What did you see from Kate? I, I liked what I saw, and and I don't, and I think uh, the the shot that Noah Kim took in the Washington game was what you can't let your quarterback take. And yeah. Uh, yeah. and I I don't know this, but I'm guessing he's he's uh, still banged up a little bit from that because yeah. it was a, a blind shot and he was trying to throw the ball. He's looking the other way. You name it. Yeah, and and the guy came at it with all his force, weighs about two ninety, and uh, you know what he expects going to happen. So, uh, so that's how I that I feel a little sorry for Noah because of that. But uh, the Spartans have quarterbacks, and I don't know if anybody else can go to a a young quarterback in a situation like the Spartans uh, were in and come up with a, a young man as talented. And frankly, as poised as Caden Hauser, you know, I, I saw his mom and dad after the game, and uh, his dad said, "Well, he's got to, he has to uh, have a, a a drive that finishes in the end zone in him late in the game." And I, you know, his dad was maybe being a little tough on him. I said, "You know, I don't think your son was the reason the, uh, the Spartans lost." I thought, right, under the right. circumstances, he played very well. Yeah, yeah. Uh, in terms of the defense. Uh, seemed like it played well for three quarters. And then late in the game, uh, once the momentum turned, uh, it's like Michigan State was on its heels and had some tackling issues. Well, And uh, couldn't get that guy on the ground. Yeah, when when you're in an alley fight, and you can't expect to go to New Jersey and not be in an alley fight. They got some tough guys <laughs> there. And uh, when when they get the upper hand... Uh, then they're going to try to bully you. And uh, before that, I think the Spartans had their way with them, both as you can tell by the scoreboard. Yeah. Offensively and defensively. Uh, they were kicking them around with the line of scrimmage, much like they kicked Iowa around before the special teams' problems. So uh, clearly uh, they have enough uh, in terms of, uh, especially on that defensive line, uh, and for the most part on the offensive line as well, uh, to win football games against good teams. And obviously, what, if you think they're overrated, underrated, or whatever, Michigan is a good team. Uh, yeah. They're, oh, yeah. they're yeah. as good as they were last year, and they're more experienced. So, uh, of course, they're going to be tough for anybody to beat. But, uh, you know, on the other hand, they haven't played anybody yet. So let's, right. let's see right. how good they really are. Uh, George, I have a theory, and I, I got this from George Perlis, actually. Uh, he always used to say, you're never as good as you look when you win, and you're never as bad as it seems when you lose. And I look at this team, you talk about the two games that should have been wins and the one that could have been a win. against. Yeah, the Maryland, Maryland could have been, I sure. Mean, they could have played Washington ten times. They weren't going to win that game, just styles of the teams and what Washington And Washington does. might win the national championship. Excuse me for interrupting. That's right. But Washington's no, you're that good. Right. You're absolutely right. 
So I say this Michigan State team is a little bit better than two and four, maybe a lot better. And then I think about two years ago, and some fans may not want to hear this, but some years you get bad breaks. Other years you get good breaks. Mm-hmm. That team in 2021 was healthy, very healthy, for most of the season, and won five games that could have gone either way. They were 5-0. and oh. I don't know how they won at Indiana. I guess it was a Cal Halliday interception. The Michigan game was a classic, but it went back and forth, and you know a lot mm-hmm. of things had to happen for Michigan State to win. Even the bowl game, Michigan State trailed by 11 points in the fourth quarter and came back and won. So lots Tenor of times, Cal Halliday in that game. Absolutely, absolutely. It looked like uh, Pittsburgh was driving for at least a tying field goal in position. He gets another pick six. So sometimes you look at the bottom line, and it's a it's a win or lose business. But sometimes eleven and two is a little deceiving, just as two and four this year is deceiving. This team's better. I agree. Yeah, and you, know, and so if, if you're really if you're really interested in in what's going on with uh, this Michigan State team, uh, and just look at their record, I don't. That's not the yeah. whole story. You know, you right. need Paul Harvey in here to give you the rest of the story. Uh, <laughs> you just did that, Jack, as a matter of fact. That may be your new nickname. But uh, <laughs> these guys could be a one-loss team yeah. and yeah. and be ranked in the top 15. And uh, so they weren't going to be Washington, I don't believe, no matter what. But right. uh, every one of these uh, other games uh, maybe could have and should have been in the win column. So. And I hope these young men who are playing their hearts out for Harlan Barnett, I hope they understand that, that, you know, the people who really uh, are, are studying what's going on with this team know how close they are to being a good team, uh, maybe even a very good team. So and they, have, they have a chance to finish the season and show that they're a good team. But it obviously has to start Saturday night. And, you know, when you're playing a rivalry game, those guys uh, – aren't going to be bashful about running up the score. So you have to you have to play at your absolute best to stay in the game with an undefeated, confident, uh, maybe even overconfident Michigan team. So we'll just see what happens. You think of all the great Michigan-Michigan State games we have seen, George. And in Spartan Stadium, I'm not even talking about Jalen Watts-Jackson and uh, number one versus no one in 1990, just the ones – here. Uh, first one I saw in person was 69 when Duffy changed the entire offense in one week and beat Bo in Shem Beckler's first year. And then, of course, you get uh, you go to 87 with the seven interceptions. John Miller had four of them. Uh, yeah. He had as, as many uh, times he caught the ball as the Michigan receivers. Uh, then you think about 93 with Jim Miller and 95 with Tony Banks and 99 with Bill Burke. You think about uh, uh, Smoker to Duckett in 2001 and then all the great D'Antonio games, minus 48 rushing in 2013. Is there one of those games in Spartan Stadium that makes you smile every time you think about it? Well, Bill Burke is a great guy, and uh, so I think about that a lot. I mean, 400 yards. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And 
Bill and uh, Plaxico Burris were impossible to stop. Yeah. And, and, yeah. Uh, and Tom Brady, yes, he did play in that game. Uh, he didn't play <laughs> yeah, the whole right. game, and he, and he darn near brought Michigan <laughs> back far enough. Right, but right, they right. were so far in the hole that they weren't going to come back and win that game. Uh, but probably the one that makes me smile is, uh, and I love all of them, clearly, as a Michigan State guy, but uh, probably Smoker to duck it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And and we were told that the Big Ten office called and said, yes, there was more than a second left, but they never did announce it. And uh, yeah. Yeah, they broke that down. They did every conceivable frame by frame analysis. And there was time left uh, on the clock. There's no question about it. Just it looked funny because the, the clock freezes when it's less than one. It stays stays there. It doesn't go to zero. So. That's that's kind of the way it looks. But there are two of those games you mentioned, and uh, the the 2001 game, George. What I'll remember most is after the game and all the pandemonium down there, and Larry Foot, who's a terrific linebacker at Michigan and in the NFL, uh, slammed his helmet down. I've never seen a helmet bounce higher off the the playing surface than that one. And then the post game, I guess it was kind of a handshake if you want to call it that, with Lloyd Carr and Bobby Williams. Uh, that was that was interesting. But mm-hmm. the 99 game, when you talk about <laughs> Bill Burke and Plexico Burris, not only did Plex catch those 10 balls for 255, he had two of the greatest moments in the series that had nothing to do with catching a pass. George, you remember they put a David Terrell, uh, was Michigan's All-American receiver, out there because – None of their defensive backs could possibly match up with Plex. It was just physically impossible. And Durrell had, uh, David Terrell had played DB, so uh, not only did Plex go block him and bury him, he just <laughs> kind of corkscrewed him into the ground. And uh, that was the last defensive back that David Terrell ever played. And then at the end of the game, when Brady had him coming back, there was a very dicey onside kick. And uh, Plex made a great catch of that. And then uh, on on the third and third and ten, I think, it looked like Michigan State might have to punt the ball away in the last minute, and Burke threw a perfect sideline pass to Burris, and that was a game. So that was the Plexico Burris game. Well, Bill Burke was uh, a very very good player and a heady player, and uh, I remember talking to Nick Saban about him when Nick was at Alabama. And he was talking about his quarterback, who he liked. I can't remember who it was. Uh, yeah. But he said, uh, he's a lot like Bill Burke. You can do a lot of things with a guy like that. Meaning, mm. he, he's, he's into the game. Uh, he's a heady guy. Uh, you don't, you're not going to surprise him with things. He can handle the situation. And uh, so, you know, a lot of people uh, thought a lot of Bill. And uh, that was a great moment for him. And... Uh, he can remember that one for the rest of his life. I know I will. I <laughs> uh, want to talk a little basketball. It's not long, and we're going to have the Detroit Pistons. It'll be uh, interesting to see how they look with Cade McNamara in uniform for a whole season. But uh, so many young players, I would think that even though there's no Victor Wembanyama on this team, this team has as much youth and potential as almost any in the NBA. Well, I remember last summer, uh, my wife Mary and I and 
family were, were down in Puerto Rico for a vacation. We were away from it all. It happened to be during the NBA draft. And you guys asked me if I could come on the show, which obviously I couldn't, and uh, asked me who I thought the Pistons might draft. And I couldn't think of his first name, but I just said Amen's twin brother because mm. of the scouting report on Asar Thompson. Uh, and I think I sent you guys that text. Um, the scouting report on Asar Thompson was just what the Pistons were looking for uh, yeah. for this team. And I'll tell you what, what I've seen from the young man, uh, he looks like uh, he is as good as advertised. Now, there, there, there have been times during the preseason where he's looked like this is not his rookie year. And I know that he's sooner or later you play like a rookie if you are a rookie, but this, this guy, uh, uh, I think he's the real deal, and he's, uh, he's a very good all-around player and a very good defensive player. And, and you're right to get Cade Cunningham back uh, is very, very important. He's, um, I was just back east at, uh, God rest his soul, Brenda Malone's funeral yeah. and uh, spent a lot of time with Isaiah uh, and his wife Lynn and a number of people talking basketball. Tom Thibodeau was there, Jeff Van Gundy, um, Stan Van Gundy, uh, and others. But anyway, uh, Isaiah thinks Kane Cunningham can do so many things to help you win. Mm-hmm. Uh, is he a classic point guard? Probably not. Uh, is he a classic anything? Probably not. But he can fill up the stat sheet, and he's so smart, and he has so many different skills that when you don't have him, you're nowhere near as good as you are when you have him. So uh, I'm looking for big, great things from Cade. And if you've ever been around this guy, uh, he's an awesome guy. Uh, his dad played college football. His dad told me if my son had not given up football, he'd have been a five-star quarterback. And I'm, I'm not, I wouldn't bet against it, but we, that would be revisionist history right now. Uh, he's a uh, NBA star guard, and I'm happy that the Pistons have him. George, what is the difference with Monty Williams' basketball, and what will that change mean for the Pistons? You know, that's hard to say, Jack, but what I will say is Monty has not been um, a paycheck collector here. In other words, if you don't want to rock the boat and you, and you made all that money, just kind of ease into things and, and see how it all plays out. He hasn't done that. You know, he decided that uh, maybe he had too many young people in the starting lineup, so he took Jaden Ivey, who had a great rookie year, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Let all the rookies in assist, proved he could play point guard if necessary. Uh, he decided, at least for now, bring Jaden Ivey off the bench and uh, have a, a veteran in the starting lineup. And and he also pretty much said that uh, Jalen Duren's his center and Isaiah Stewart's probably his power forward. So the other two talented big men, uh, Marvin Bagley and James Wiseman, might have to fight to see who gets that backup center position. Well, these guys are playing all lights-out basketball so far because they're fighting for that job. And uh, in the in the last outing, the game in Montreal – I don't believe Wiseman missed a shot, and he was he had 20 points and, and 10 rebounds. And we know what Marvin Bagley did in the fourth quarter in overtime of the Phoenix game, the first game of the season. I think he had 25 and was shot 11 for 14. So uh, those things uh, show me that he's trying to do what he thinks is the right thing to do with this team, not just you know 
go with the flow and uh, collect his pay. So I'm, I'm, I was happy to see that. So you would expect to see all four of those guys on the roster, or would one of them maybe be in a position, certainly not Duran and probably not Isaiah, but would you expect to see them carry the three centers into the season? Well, you can carry 15. Um, yeah. I'd be hard-pressed to get rid of either one of them myself, but, you know, luckily right, right. that's above my pay grade. I'd be surprised. <laughs> I'd be surprised if if they're both not there. Uh, opening night's just around the corner, you know. Uh, yeah. Not this weekend, but the, but the, the middle, middle of the next week, we're in Miami and then in Charlotte. And then I'll uh, hustle home is, and go up to Minnesota with the Spartans. This is where you really see how fast George Blah can move. <laughs> or uh, how he's slow. got those Friday night games, <laughs> and he's in the box uh, the next day. Sometimes uh, involves some interesting travel. I was going to ask you, George, before we let you go, about uh, the NBA and all the moves and jockeying for position at the top this year. Uh, who do you think we're going to see? Do you like what Milwaukee did with Damian Lillard? Do you like... Boston with Drew Holiday uh, out west. It looks like Phoenix uh, getting Bradley Beal now has a, a three-star team, and uh, you still have to beat Denver. And uh, Lakers say, yeah, wait a minute now, uh, we've got some guys here who are going to play with LeBron and, and Anthony Davis if they stay healthy. Uh, who do you like in this league? Well, you, I think you mentioned everybody who has a chance, uh, and – See, Jack's not just a Michigan State uh, football and basketball guy. He knows other stuff, too. Uh, I think you mentioned everybody else who has a chance. You know what I think? I believe that Denver has the best player on the planet. Yeah. They won last year. I don't like the fact that they lost Bruce Brown. Right. He's a, a Swiss Army knife of a guy right. who's kind of been underrated his entire career. Uh, yeah. But uh, he's... He'll he'll be missed to a degree in Denver. I, see, I was when I was at uh, Brenda Malone's funeral. I also Michael Malone was there, as as were some of his people, like Charles Klask, who uh, was with Michigan State at one point. And we were talking about, do you guys? Do they? They're talking to Isaiah and I and some other people. Do we think they can repeat? I think they can, because. You don't know that you're a champion or you're really, truly good enough to be a champion until you win it. Right. And after after you do that, you realize, hey, we got enough. Let's just don't screw this up and come after it again. Yeah. I mean, the did I say I agree were, with you? Were, were they, yeah, uh, he definitely did. He just, okay. in fact, he he added that, uh, in his opinion, only thing you have to worry about is. When the all-star team comes out, and if somebody's contract isn't what they think it should be, and a few things oh, like yeah. that, if you don't yeah. if you don't have those kind of problems, uh, and you don't have any major injuries, uh, you should be uh, the favorite to win it all, and you should win it. I mean, I don't think people are programmed to understand how good Nikola Jokic is. Yeah, yeah. This is my 48th year coming up in the NBA. I've never seen anybody like him. <laughs> I mean, yeah, he, I, I, agree. I agree. And if you and uh, with all due respect to everybody else in the league, he's the best player. I mean, and he plays every night. Yeah, uh, he, he makes his teammates so much better. Yeah, 
he guards, he plays uh, uh, as a facilitator, and he scores as much as you need him to score. Yeah. Uh, and he plays full tilt. Some people say that he feels like the basketball gods will do something bad to him if he doesn't play. So he's not going to ask for load management. <laughs> right, right. George, uh, uh, I'm impressed with the guy. He's amazing. Last question for you. We we all agree I think the Pistons will be better, should be better, uh, providing the, that health is even reasonable. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, we're going to expect this team to be much better than 17 wins. Uh, what's a goal for this team? Is it is it ridiculous to think that the uh, they could get into the playoffs somehow? Would doubling last year's win total? Seems like any time you could double your win total, that would be great. But 34 wins, what do you see being a success for this team? I think low 30s, uh, maybe even 35, is would not be listed as an unattainable goal. I think they could okay. get there. And, and I think... Okay. You gotta. I mean, you gotta take. You don't have to take baby steps, but you can't. Yeah. Uh, you can't just yeah. leap over the mountain the first year. Right. But I do believe that they can fight for a play-in spot. Yeah. And and maybe get into a play-in spot if if they're healthy, and in, unless we're misjudging somebody and think he's better than he really is. Right. For instance, if Asar Thompson isn't what he's shown so far, or uh, you name it. Uh, if uh, Monte Morris doesn't help us as much as we think he will, if right. Joe Harris doesn't make jump shots that he's made all his career, uh, and we can't figure out the big man situation. But I I think, you know, when you look at the, the team on paper, yeah. uh, they have 12 or 13 guys who could be rotation players, and you only need eight or nine. Right. Uh, maybe right. ten. And so... I think it's going to be an interesting year. I'm I'm really looking forward to it, I, and I think they've, they've got to go for it, full tilt boogie, and see how far they can go. George, thanks so much for joining us. Really appreciate your time. Looking forward to seeing you Saturday night. Always great to be on with you, Jack. And uh, I, I I feel for this this group of Michigan State Spartans. I hope they I hope the crowd gives them the kind of support they deserve because they have under the circumstances. Think what they've been through. Uh, and think what Harlan Barnett's trying to do to help these these young men. I hope the crowd lets them know how much they love them and uh, and stays with them throughout the entire night. Thanks so much. Appreciate it, George. We will be right back, and uh, Jim Stark will join us. And uh, looking forward to that conversation coming up next on The Drive with Jack. To everyone who appreciates a fresh meal that comes from the heart, let our team member Emma tell you what's special about the Culver's Way. We take great tasting burgers seriously in Wisconsin. Favorite recipes, fresh ingredients, real Wisconsin cheese. It's a place where traditions matter. So of course it's where Culver's Butter Burger was born. Fresh, never frozen beef, seared to perfection, then topped with a lightly buttered toasted bun. What can we say? To us, it's a whole lot more than a burger. It's a taste of home. From From Wisconsin Wisconsin with love. love, welcome to delicious. Hey, Spartan fans, when you want the largest and best selection of Spartan gear, Alumni Hall is your ultimate shopping destination. 
Come get your officially licensed gear. Nike, Champion, Columbia, Yeti, New Era hats, tailgating gear, and more. MSU students, faculty, and military receive 10% off in-store every day. And you can earn cash back with their Hall Pass rewards. Alumni Hall, located in Eastwood Town Center near the Apple Store. Or shop anytime at alumnihall.com. For the ultimate Spartan shopping experience, it's Alumni Hall. Time for a career change? Looking to make a difference? Dean Transportation is looking for compassionate people to join our dedicated team of school bus professionals. Dean Transportation has immediate openings and offers paid training to obtain a commercial driver's license. With increased starting pay, benefit packages, flexible scheduling with weekday hours, and more, Dean Transportation may be the career choice for you. No experience needed. Apply now and train all summer. Head to DeanJobs.com. So, it's been a while since you've had your jewelry cleaned and inspected, right? Where will you go and who will you trust with your most valuable and treasured heirlooms? At Meadowar Jewelers' four locations in Lansing, Okemos, Jackson, and Portage, jewelry isn't just our job, it's our passion. Each and every piece entrusted in our care is thoroughly inspected by our trained staff against damage or normal wear. And we offer you, our customer, the highest level of quality on repairs and custom designs. Whether it's worn-out prongs, channels, or shanks, it's all handled with incredible care. Metawar Jewelers in Lansing, Okemos, Jackson, and Portage want to help you preserve your memories and offer you options on creating new ones. Come in today for the cleaning and inspection of your jewelry. We continue to work hard every day to earn your confidence and trust. To everyone who needs a little delight in their day, let our team member Paul tell you about one of our favorite sweet treats. Making special moments at mealtime is a tradition in Wisconsin. And what better way to sweeten your day than a Culver's creamy, fresh frozen custard and your favorite mixes. From the indulgence of Snickers to the richness of Dove chocolate, we handcraft every concrete mixer exactly the way you like. Come to Culver's and let us make your day a little bit sweeter. From From Wisconsin Wisconsin with love, welcome to Delicious. Jack Ebling here with my good friend Matt Sloan at Graph of Okemos. Matt, gas prices are still up there, but you've got some good news. I do have good news, Jack. We have lots of different models that are going to help with that issue. I've got the Nissan Sentra, Versa, that all get over 30 miles to the gallon. In fact, the Versa gets 40 miles to the gallon. Wow. Our all-electric Aria has a range of 269 miles. And then on the Chevy side, Trax, Malibu, Equinox, and Trailblazer, all over 30 miles to the gallon. And our brand-new Blazer EV, 320 miles. Lots of great options. Stop and see Matt and the gang here. Graph of Okemos, they're making friends. Graph of Okemos, Matt. Gas prices are still up there, but you've got some good news. I do have good news, Jack. We have lots of different models that are going to help with that issue. I've got the Nissan Sentra, Versa, that all get over 30 miles to the gallon. In fact, the Versa gets 40 miles to the gallon. Wow. Our all-electric Aria has a range of 269 miles. And then on the Chevy side, Trax, Malibu, Equinox, and Trailblazer, all over 30 miles to the gallon. And our brand-new Blazer EV, 320 miles of range. Lots of great options. Stop and see Matt and the gang here. Graph of Okemos, they're making friends. Welcome back. It is a drive with Jack. Spotlight Radio Network. Jack Ebling here with my producer, Boston Rob. Rob, our next guest 
a guy that you did a show with for much of the baseball season, baseball this week. Want to introduce Jim Stark, executive director of the Michigan Sports Legacy Conservancy, dedicated to preservation of sports in the state of Michigan, and he is our Detroit correspondent, talking baseball, basketball, hockey, football, you name it. Jim, let's talk a little bit about the baseball playoffs. And the so far. Yeah, the uh, defending world champion Houston Astros dropping a pair of games to the Rangers in the Texas two-step. And uh, now they go back to Arlington to face Max Scherzer down a pair of games. Are you surprised? I am surprised. I, I thought I thought the uh, Astros' experience and their and their savvy at this high level. But I'll tell you, what, you know, you know, what? I didn't factor in. I didn't factor in Bruce Bochy, the manager of the of the Texas yeah. Rangers, has been one of my favorite managers for years. Uh, he won three three championships in, in in San Francisco, not all in a row. He, he had three different teams. He took to, to the World Championship. Right. Um, right. He. He may be as big a difference in terms of a manager and a team winning as anybody in baseball right now today. He is just a, he knows the right moves to make. He knows the right guy to put in a certain situation. He knows the right in-game decisions to make. He really is. A, he may go down in baseball history as one of the great managers of all time. Uh, and so I didn't factor that in, plus the fact that the players they spent a lot of money on are really starting to – to deliver in big time ways, uh, you know, yeah. whether it's it's uh, Corey Seager or, or Max Scherzer. I mean, these guys are, are coming, are healthy and doing well at the right time. So, yeah, Texas is really peaking at the exact right time, and I think a lot of it is because of the manager, Bruce Bochy. Seager had a big year, kind of understated, everyone uh, looking at what Shohei Otani did, but Corey Seager was right up there, and he'll be up there in the MVP voting as well. You talk about uh, Bochi, and there's no no question that he is uh, has some Hall of Fame credentials, but so does the guy in the other dugout in Dusty Baker. Yep. And uh, I think that's one of the great managerial matchups. And when you talk about winning three championships, Jim, with three different basic core groups, reminds me a little bit of Joe Gibbs with the Washington yep. Redskins to win three Super Bowls with three different quarterbacks. That's a great example because Joe Gibbs did it. Yeah, he didn't. He, he wasn't. And, and I'm not saying that that, that, uh, that the, the Patriots, but they rolled Tom Brady for a long time. And since he's gone, yeah. they have yeah. been not, nothing. So when you can go right. back and with different key elements, whether it's quarterback or pitchers or you know, that yeah. shows it's it's not just the players; it's the coaching and, and the managing. And in this case, uh, I, you know, I, I'm not as big a fan of Dusty Baker maybe as some other people are. Um, I think he's won more because of the players he's had. But, needless to say, he's still considered a very good manager. And that's a great, you know, in-state matchup, Houston and Texas, about, or Houston and, and Dallas, about three hours apart. It's got a lot of elements of a great matchup for the ages. And, again, as you said, two old-time managers, Bochy, you know, these guys aren't, don't have their, their, uh, you know, their, their, their computer on their lap figuring out all the, all the odds and all the, all the metrics at every moment. So it's kind of an interesting throwback in a way. All right, what about the National League? And the Diamondbacks had not lost in postseason play until last night, and they ran into the Phillies, and Zach Wheeler looked fantastic on the mound. But uh, you you look at that Phillies lineup, and any time you have a guy hitting more than 40 home runs, uh, whether it's Ronald Acuna or 
Kyle Schwarber batting leadoff. I mean, I know some teams that, you know, they only have one hitter who can hit 20. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> Phillies and Braves, you know, they got guys hitting 40 batting leadoff. Well, I, th- I think the Phillies and, and, and the Diamondbacks are a great example of two opposite ways to build a team. Dave Dabrowski yeah. built it his way, which is you go out and you spend a lot of money, you trade, you sign free agents, and you buy talent, right? The Diamondbacks yeah. have done exactly the opposite. They have developed just about everybody in their lineup. Um, yeah. And it's two, it's two ways to get there, right? Um, right. The Diamondbacks have, have had young players that you don't know about or haven't heard much about until now where the Phillies have a lot of veteran names, big names. But the, the, the key for both are what they're sharing is they're peaking at the right time. The best players are playing their best at the right time. And for a young team like the Diamond, they don't know what they don't know. And the Phillies, they know what they know, and they're still doing it. So I think it's a great matchup. Oh, we had someone on yesterday who uh, lived his life in baseball who was bummed that the top teams are not there. I love it. That the teams that won 100 games are gone. You got it. I wanted all wild cards in uh, the the CS, and I'm pretty close. Houston's the the only one that won a division. the Phillies are a bit of a of a team that's been bought, which you don't like as much. The bought and paid for thing, right, right, right. But 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 and really, but the Astros and and Texas. Well, Texas is kind of a bought and paid for, but not in the way that you don't like with the Yankees and the Dodgers. I get that. Yeah. Um, I tell you right now, how about Marcus Simeon for the? That was my guy, right? It was my guy to go get. Yeah. It was my guy for this. He had 100 yeah. RBIs and 35 home runs at second base this year. Yeah, yeah. When you wind up getting talent like that at second base and shortstop, and hey, the Rangers went out and and they got the what they thought were the two best shortstops, and I said we'll make one of them something else, and, and, and instead and again, they wind up with the best double play combination in baseball. I, I wouldn't mind if the Tigers solve their second short problem this year the same way, but I don't quite see that happening. <laughs> well, hey, the Tigers went out and spent a lot of money on a shortstop that year. They just got the wrong one. Well, I don't know whether uh, Semyon was more expensive or, or they or they just identified Lopez as the guy they wanted, but I'll Bias. tell you right now, yeah. trade, trade those two guys, Jack, and the Tigers might have had five more wins this year, uh, I think, with, with Semyon versus Lopez. Uh, Bias, and, 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 yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah, exactly. Hobby bias, uh, but 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 give me that, give me that semi in, in 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 my lineup. I win more games. I just think he's so consistent. Yeah, yeah. Well, it, it wouldn't take a lot to be better than Bias was this year, but semi in is uh, that would be a quantum upgrade, no question yep. about it. In terms of the pitching staffs and what you're going to see, uh, you know, Philly trots out uh, Wheeler and Nola. And uh, those are two really tough guys, all-star caliber pitchers. And uh, if you can do that in a short series, you know, you've got probably three three wins, I would think, out of those guys if they each go twice. Well, one thing that you notice that all the teams have, Jack, they have got big arms in the bullpen. Every single yeah, team yeah, yeah, rolls yeah. out one, two, three guys all throwing 98. That, that's one thing that every team has pretty much adopted is your, is your bullpen, especially your middle and your late, You've got to have a big arm, and I'll tell you, all, every team left has it. Yeah. Uh, hey, uh, the Phillies, not only do they have Nicholas Castellanos, who had uh, back-to-back two homer games against the Braves, four home runs in two nights, they also have Gregory Soto hanging around the bullpen. Not that they call on him to come in to 
start the ninth and walk two guys, but he's there anyway. <laughs> well, I, I would of the two, I would take Castellanos back in a heartbeat. Soto could just stay down in, in Philly. That's fine with me. Yeah. All right. Uh, in terms of the Dodgers, Orioles, Orioles kind of a, you know, that's a feel-good story anyway. Those fans, they know they're a very young team. They're going to be good for a long time, and they're surprised to get where they got to 101 wins. But right. the Braves and the Dodgers, everyone wow. thought we would have an NLCS with those two teams for most of the year. They were the best teams in baseball. What do you think those fan bases are doing right now? Do you think they're watching the games? Do you think they're swearing at oh, the I televisions? Think are, I think they're, they are beside themselves uh, to have it set up like they had it and then, and then fall out as quickly as they did. I think one of those two managers is going to go. I think either – Either uh, L.A. or Atlanta, or maybe both. Who knows? Snicker or Roberts, one of the two. Yeah, Don't you know, the the uh, the rope these guys are on to. Even guys like veteran guys like that um, is so much shorter now. The the window to win is so much shorter. These owners want to win now. I would not be surprised to see one of them, and I'm not going to say which one, uh, but one of them might might not be there next year. Wow. Uh, I, I could, I guess, a short rope in L.A., you know, it's always, what have you done for me uh, five minutes ago? Well, and, and, and how long? Uh, has, he's been there 12 years, hasn't he, Jack? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So may, yeah. maybe they're going to feel the time has come to make a change. And when you look at Atlanta, this is two years in a row. They've been beaten by a Philadelphia wildcard team in the D.S., and remember, didn't when they when they hired their manager, didn't they? He was a long time like a third, uh, a triple A yeah, manager. Yeah. He wasn't. He wasn't guy. a popular pick, if I remember correctly. Right, right, right. So maybe they'll yeah. go for one of these brand names. Uh, I guess so. Uh, who is the biggest name that the Tigers are going to add to their roster? I assume they're not going to take the Miggy money and anything else that they uh, can get and just bank it for Little Caesars Enterprises. Yeah, uh, you know, what do you think they're going to do in the offseason? Well, I, I st- I'm still hopeful they might keep Rodriguez. I, I would not be disappointed okay. in that at all because I think they'll get him for a decent price. But um, after, you know, Jack, I haven't spent a lot of time thinking about it, but, you know, between now and next week, I will come up with some names where I okay. think they should be guys that the Tigers either should go after or could go after who, who, they, who they can afford. But like like a Semyon, a guy that could make a real difference, not just another guy to fill a spot in the lineup. The Dodgers think not getting Eduardo Rodriguez, and that deal was set, and then uh, he vetoed it, used his no-trade clause, uh, probably cost them. I don't know if they could have beaten Arizona. It just seemed like the Diamondbacks were leading a charm life. But uh, they ruined the day that that, that deal was canceled. And uh, I'm wondering... Mm-hmm. If uh, the Tigers are going to go out and and uh, spend thirty million dollars for Eduardo Rodriguez, if that's well, what it takes, if the Dodgers, Yankees, and everybody else, uh, all those East Coast teams with money, decide that they're going to get him, and whoever doesn't get Shohei Otani is going to throw a boatload of money at Erod, how high would the Tigers go? Well, I, no, I, I don't. I don't think they'll go thirty million. I think they might go in the high twenties. But again, my thought was he didn't take the, the, the trade to L.A. He likes. You know, he, he says he likes Detroit. Uh, he wants to be near the East Coast. I don't think he's going back to Boston. No, no offense, Rob, but I don't think he's, so. You know, how many places would he go to? I guess is the question. How about I, I Baltimore? Guess I, maybe how about I got that my team? Rose-colored glass. Maybe I got maybe I got the hopium pipe out, Jack. But I'm thinking there might be some hometown uh, uh, lean for for Rodriguez. Well, I got an East Coast team that would be a perfect fit for him. 
How about that one of the youngest teams in baseball, or the youngest, that won 101 games? How would you like to see Eduardo Rodriguez with the Orioles? Wow. wow. Well, you know, it would certainly fit his criteria, that's for sure. And, and, and he would fit in very well there, and especially if he wants to win tomorrow. Well, you said something else, Jim, that's interesting. You talk about Dave Dombrowski, and, uh, you know, he'd have been great in the transfer portal in college because yeah. he just loves to kind of circle yeah. around the pile like a buzzard and then poach. You yeah. know, how about Eduardo Rodriguez as a Philly? How about him as a third or fourth starter? Well, you know what? Especially, it depends on where, where the Phillies end up. If they win it all, maybe not. But if they come short, now he's shopping, right? So yeah. I think he would be very interesting because, again, left-handers like him that throw the ball 98 miles an hour can strike out a lot yeah. of guys and can give you, you know, eat up innings, they're not, they're not easy to find. Right, right. All right, let's switch gears for a minute and talk about some other sports here in Detroit. And also, there's a little football game Saturday night here in the yeah, state of Michigan. Yeah, I heard about that. Yeah, yeah. But uh, let's start with the Pistons. We just had George Blaha on the show. How do you think this is going to work with Jaden Ivey coming off the bench? Well, I kind of, I kind of like it because that puts Oscar Thomas Thompson in the in the starting lineup, which I, I I'm starting to think, Jack, the more minutes they can give him and the more time they can spend on the court, the more he's going to a develop quicker, but b help them. I think he is a, a, a rare athletic talent, and 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 he also because one thing about Kate Cunningham, he's not a great uh, athletic player, right? And I think Thompson is, so that might be kind of a nice mix. But but Thompson does not play out of control as much as Ivy does. So that's what I like about it. And he's the wing. They need that wing. So I like the idea of him coming, especially if it means Thompson gets those started minutes. I love what I've seen of Osar Thompson. And I had not seen enough of him, just a little pre-draft footage. Uh, it wasn't the guy I was expecting the Pistons to draft. And so uh, the more I looked at it and the more I listened to him and heard his maturity – watched his game, the more I think that he might be about as NBA-ready as anyone his age that the Pistons could have gotten. And uh, I could see how Jaden Ivey could give them something off the bench. Yeah, it worked with Vinnie Johnson. Well, uh, you know, the bench guy, too. If Ivey comes off the bench and is having an off night, you can, you can make a move pretty quick, right? When he's starting, you're going to give him those those ten minutes. Just I, I, and I think his energy, because he plays so high, could be a real factor off the bench. Um, yeah, I, I think it's a good move. Again, finding the right mix of players is is Monty Williams' biggest challenge because he's got some talent, but it's young, it's unproven, and getting the right combination of how to play them together that's going to be his biggest goal. All right, uh, what is a successful season? I asked Blaha this. For the Pistons, coming off 17 wins, the youngest team in the league. But when they're healthy, if you can keep Cade healthy, that wouldn't have been a 17-win team. No, I, I think 30 wins is, is a big jump. Uh, uh, you know, I, I don't. that's not a playoff team, but I think I think 30 wins would be a really good – and, again, I'm going to say it's like the, the, I get it by the Tigers. It's not just about how many games you win. It's how you win them. If they win 30 games but the young guys are really doing well – and, and, and Thompson has developed, and Kate Cunningham's played a full season, you know, and, and they're on the upswing at the end of the season, to me that's a, a, a pretty good year. If they win, you know, 25 games, but it's a lot of older guys that are, that are you know, somehow, you know, the Alex Burks were the ones that did it, 
then that to me is, is not a good season. So I don't think it's as much the number of wins, it's who gets you the wins and how the team's playing. And George also pointed out that it looks like Isaiah Stewart is a power forward from this point forward, and that, uh, you know, you've got Bagley and Wiseman both having gigantic games here in the exhibition season. So if those two guys can help uh, Duran in the middle, that might be a pretty good uh, three-headed rotation. If, if, if they can all contribute to what they can do, you're right. But the problem is there's no consistency. Uh, you know, yeah. Bagley will come out one game and have, a, and have a, like the kind of game you saw, but the next game he's, he's absolutely absent. It's all about consistency. If they can find some yeah. level of expectation of what these guys will give them every night, that's what you, can, what you can't bank on is one night they're there, they're delivering, and the other night they're, they're you know, somewhere in the stands. That's what drives uh, coaches like Bonnie Williams crazy. Uh, I said, Jim, that 17 wins, I want them to double yeah. last year. People say, can they get to 500? No, I don't think they can get to 41 wins. But could they get to 34? I think that so. would be 100% I, 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 improvement. I know, 30, That'd be great. Yeah, my 30 could be 35, depending on, on a lot of factors. And frankly, uh, I, I loved, you know, you and I exchanged an email earlier today, and you gave me your, your, your odds of the Pistons making the playoffs. Yeah. Uh, I, was, I thought you were kind of bullish on those odds, Jack, I would have thought you'd been more a little less uh, optimistic, but uh, I, li- I think you said twenty five percent for the Pistons. Yeah, that's, yeah, I-, I think that's pretty fair. Yeah, and I think if you can get up into the mid thirties, then depending on what happens with injuries around the league, normally you have to be you know pretty close to five hundred uh, to get in, close to five hundred. But hey, things can happen. Uh, you know, you can you can have a run where you go on late in the season and you play some teams that have injured players or they're holding some players out. Load management right now is such a concern for the NBA. You know where you don't have load management, Jim? And it's the thing I love most about this, this game. I am not an ardent regular season NHL watcher. I watch right. the playoffs religiously. Right. Uh, Stanley Cup playoffs, I watch that before I do the NBA playoffs. But... I think the Red Wings are going to be much improved, and I think they have a legit shot to be in the playoffs. I'd say they have a 50% chance, or close to well, it. Well, and I, you were very bullish there. But I get, but if you look at what Eisenman has done, it's who he's added. There are guys he would have had a take last year on the roster who he got to sent down, the young guys, because he got veterans. And Now, will, will uh, Jeff Petrie have the legs to still play at a high level? Who knows? But certainly Alex Brickett who was a legitimate 40-goal scorer, which they did not have last year. He filled a lot of empty holes with talented players. That's what gives me the hope they could, they could at least maybe make noise about the players and not sneak in. Let me give you, go back to Pistons. One more thing I want to add before we get off on that, Jack. How about this for a scenario? Let's say Bagley and Wiseman and Duran all play really well at that big spot, right? Mm-hmm. And then now mm-hmm. we're a third of the season, somebody gets hurt on another team. Maybe the Pistons can swing a trade and get a veteran in unexpectedly who could really make a difference for them and unclog that center spot all at one time. How about that happening? That's a possibility. Where would you want to see help? What position concerns you? The wing. You? The, the wing. No, no doubt about it. The wing that 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 that, that uh, three and D or the or the or the wing, whatever you want to call it. It's it's their, their their thinnest position in terms of talent, and it's the one that most NBA good teams have somebody really good or a couple of them. I want to see that that three three and D or wing or whatever you want to call them 
who can shoot from the outside, rebound, play defense like a madman, and run the court. If they got someone like that, that could make a whole big difference. Okay. Uh, I think Bogdan, Bogdan Bogdanovich right now is a key player for this yep. team. Joe Harris, yep. you're talking about guys who can shoot it. Harris is a little streaky, but uh, he's made an awful lot of threes in his career. And to me, that is still the weakness for this team. Well, the, the, I think the, the defense the, has been upgraded, but I, I don't see the three-point shooting with three guys who are knockdown shooters that I see on a lot of NBA teams. Well, no, you're, you're right. I mean, I mean, Monty, uh, Monty Morris is, is a three-point, pretty good three-point shooter. Harris, uh, of course, Bogdanovich. I mean, they've got four or five, but you're right. Most teams now have four out there all the time. Yeah. You might have one guy yeah. out of the five that, that doesn't shoot the three, but most teams have four, if, if not all five, and the Pistons can't do that. Yeah, a lot of teams, Jim, good teams, all have two players who when they get the ball on the perimeter and they get a look at it, you say, oh, no. Pistons don't have anybody like that. Maybe maybe Bogdanovich. Right. But, uh, you know, Harris, he, he can do that and he gets streaky, but he needs a lot of room to, yeah. to get that shot off. Uh, Bogey's tall and he can he can do a few things to, to shoot over you, too. Uh, I, let's I talk he- for... You need one of your star players to be a good three-point shooter, I think, too. It can't just be role play. you got to have a star that can shoot the three. Yeah. Uh, I don't see that in Cade. Maybe he can nope. develop that. Hey, I remember a time when Irvin Johnson was in high school and college, and even <laughs> early with the Lakers, he didn't shoot threes. By yep. the end of the end of his career, you know, you didn't want to give him a look at the basket without somebody in his face. So, Well, Michael Jordan and, 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 uh, yeah, and uh, yeah. he, he learned to shoot the three along the way. That's right. Um, That's so right. who knows? All right, let's talk for just a minute about what the Lions have done, not on the field, oh. but off the field. In oh. the community and the fact that they are sending so many people to these road games. Amazing. Amazing. I, I mean, you see the pictures and in Tampa, this was a big deal for them. They had their creamsicle day and all those orange uniforms, and there was as much blue in the stands in Tampa as there was orange. Well, Florida is a bit of a, a misnomer because you know there's a lot of Michiganians that are down there. Even the early the early uh, snowbirds are down there, and people, a yeah. lot of ex-Michiganians live down there. But still, it was an impressive turnout. What I want to see is when they go west, if they still can find some people to yeah. go that way. I think that'll be impressive. I'll bet you there are enough uh, Michiganders uh, – in L.A., in Southern California, yeah. who will show up at SoFi Stadium. And it's not like they're playing the Rams. They're playing the Chargers, and the Chargers right. don't draw. Hey, last night, uh, Chargers had that game with Dallas, and it was about 50-50. Yeah, yeah. Well, again, I, I just think uh, Campbell has, has, has got the – he has the pulse of the – I know it's, a, it's kind of, it's kind of a, a, a trite saying, but – but he seems to know what people want, and he's honest. I mean, he's honestly the guy that, you, that it comes across on TV and on the radio, right? He, he's no yeah. different. No matter where he is, he doesn't have an on and off switch. He's all, and I think he's really a great match for this blue-collar town and this town that's just starving for football success. Well, to me, you've really shown that you're legit when you can win tough road games. And the Lions winning that opener on ring day, ring night in Kansas City, and then going to Green Bay and demolishing the Packers in Lambeau. And then, believe it or not, hey, the Bucks were in first place. You can, you can laugh at that. 
But going in there and, and controlling that game, uh, maybe it wasn't a dominating performance, but, uh, you know, you, you get enough of a win that's not close in the fourth quarter. Uh, I think the Lions have shown an awful lot in those three road games. And as I look at the schedule, Jim, I'm not seeing many losses. I'm looking at maybe one, two, or three more. Yeah, I'm it, sure it's they'll fall, stumble somewhere, but uh, hard to imagine this team not winning 12 games. Well, you know, you know what I find most impressive, Jack, is that they're playing over the injuries. I mean, they brought in those three big veteran defenders, uh, the, the, the defensive backs, right? They brought in two, two, uh, two corners and a safety, right? Yeah. Two yeah. of those guys are out, and they haven't missed a beat. Uh, right. uh, the, 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 the uh, um, offensive line, again, yeah. two, you yeah. know, and the defensive or the backfield has been really good, but they don't see them. That's the thing that is remarkable is even when they're missing good players, they yeah. still are just as productive. That's talk about a change from Alliance teams of the past. Right, right. And they just called up Mohammed Ibrahim, yeah. a former University of Minnesota star who I thought was a fantastic back in the Big Ten. Well, he was in. Uh, I, I, he was, I thought he was as good as Blake Corum. He was in. And in the, he's going to have a chance to the, play. Well, he was with the team in the camp, and I think he right. got squeezed out right. by the numbers, and he got That's hurt. Right. But he could really – you're right. He's got a – if he's good, Jack, now's the time for him to show it. Well, it looks like they're going to be without Montgomery for a couple of weeks. Yeah, they say cartilage – not broken ribs, but cartilage. When they talk, they're talking about cartilage damage, now you know they're going to be really careful because they, they don't want to have it go worse, and now I lost him for yeah. the rest of the season. But, but again, yeah. Jack, I just – they wheel the next – that block – that Craig Reynolds made the other day, Jack, was ex- as exciting yeah. a play as I can yeah. remember in a, Lions, in a Lions game. Well, there are two things. I said this yesterday on the show, Jim. Two things that tell me uh, how a team is coached. One is their special teams efficiency, and two is the downfield blocking by the receivers. Yes. And when you have both of those things, that tells me that there's attention to detail and there is second effort and a we, not me, mentality. Well, you know, Jameson Williams obviously had a huge catch for a touchdown the other day, but what, what, what yeah. people, some people might have missed, is that the game before, he had two big blocks downfield. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. and, and you don't think of Jameson Williams as a blocker, but like you said, right. if you play for Dan Campbell, you do everything, every play, and, that's, and he was very helpful and productive in making those blocks, and now the next game, he catches a big touchdown. Who knows? Maybe that's how you start with this team. All right, last question for you. And uh, I ask this not because you're a college football savant, but you did work in Ann Arbor for a long period of time. Oh, boy. And managed to survive it. Uh, When you think about this series and what it means, uh, Michigan has the Ohio State series, which always has championship implications. Someone told me that the Ohio State game, is the one that Michigan most wants to win, but the Michigan State game is the one that it most doesn't want to lose. Well, I, if that I makes think, any sense. Yeah, no, I I think the way to look, the way I would describe it is 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 playing Michigan State is like playing your brother, your or, or uh, a relative. Playing um, uh, Ohio State is playing the best guy in in the room. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm, because mm-hmm. because. You want to beat your brother in a different way than you want to beat the best guy in the room. You want to win them both, but they're different mm-hmm. different psychologies, right? Yeah. And I'll tell you right now, if there was ever a time for Michigan State to pull an upset, 
this is it because Michigan right now is flying high. They can't do no wrong. They've beaten everybody by 50 points. This is traditionally the time when they can stub their toe if a team like Michigan State can figure out how to find their weaknesses. And they've got them. They, every team has them. But, yeah. but this is really a chance for the coaches to show they can do something because Michigan, State, Michigan is set up for a loss by somebody. No question about it. Could it be Michigan State? Michigan State has upset Jim Harbaugh coach teams four times, and he's only been there eight years. Right. All four of those times, Michigan State was an underdog and won the game, including twice under Mel Tucker. Mel Tucker has a better record, believe it or not, against Jim Harbaugh than Ryan Day does. <laughs> but if, I, I, you could win a lot of lunch bets when you ask people about the last 15 meetings in this series. Uh, Michigan State has won 10 of the 15, so... 10-5 well, yeah, record, that would surprise a lot of people. And, and, and Michigan, you know, Ann Arborites are arrogant to start with. You, you give them the kind of a start that Michigan's had so far, this only yeah. fuels the fire. Well, uh, uh, Rob, uh, Jim said that. I didn't, but I... Oh, no, it's, it's yeah. true. Trust me. Yeah. Jim, thanks so much for joining us. Really appreciate it. Enjoy the rest of the baseball playoffs. Well, I'll tell you, Jack, great time of the year. We talked about it a little bit last week, but having all four sports cooking and yeah. the fact that all four Detroit teams might be relevant in their sport all in the same season, that's really exciting. And it won't be long, and Tom Izzo Spartans will be out there, and uh, you know, they're ranked number four in the preseason oh, it's poll. Coming. One spot behind Purdue, so we've got that to look forward to as I, well. I, I have never seen that man as giddy as he is this year. That's the only way I can put it, giddy. We will be right back, and we're going to talk with Trent Valley. Rob, remember when Trent was on the show when he was talking about 13 and 14 wins, and we were laughing at him? It's not a laughing uh, matter anymore. Not, it's looking pretty not good, right? laughing anymore. No, no. I just uh, kind of a lion savant. We will be right back with Valley coming up next here on The Drive with Jack. To everyone who craves a rich and creamy hometown treat, let our team member Nevea tell you how we do it at Culver's. Every scoop of Culver's fresh frozen custard is made in small batches throughout the day. Because where we come from, the little things make a big difference. Like bringing back a seasonal favorite. Our salted caramel pumpkin concrete mixer and pumpkin spice shake are back for a limited time. Handcrafted with farm fresh dairy and real pureed pumpkin just for you. From From Wisconsin Wisconsin with with love, welcome to delicious. Time for a career change? Looking to make a difference? Dean Transportation is looking for compassionate people to join our dedicated team of school bus professionals. Dean Transportation has immediate openings and offers paid training to obtain a commercial driver's license. With increased starting pay, benefit packages, flexible scheduling with weekday hours, and more, Dean Transportation may be the career choice for you. No experience needed. Apply now and train all summer. Head to deanjobs.com. So, it's been a while since you've had your jewelry cleaned and inspected, right? Where will you go and who will you trust with your most valuable and treasured heirlooms? At Meadowar Jewelers' four locations in Lansing, Okemos, Jackson, and Portage, jewelry isn't just our job, it's our passion. Each and every piece entrusted in our care is thoroughly inspected by our trained staff against damage or normal wear. And we offer you, our customer, the highest level of quality on repairs and custom designs. Whether it's worn out prongs, channels, or shanks, it's all handled with incredible care. 
Medawar Jewelers in Lansing, Okemos, Jackson and Portage want to help you preserve your memories and offer you options on creating new ones. Come in today for the cleaning and inspection of your jewelry. We continue to work hard every day to earn your confidence and trust. Jack Ebling here with my good friend Matt Sloan at Graph of Okemos. Matt, gas prices are still up there, but you've got some good news. I do have good news, Jack. We have lots of different models that are going to help with that issue. I've got the Nissan Sentra, Versa, that all get over 30 miles to the gallon. In fact, the Versa gets 40 miles to the gallon. Wow. Our all-electric Aria has a range of 269 miles. And then on the Chevy side, Trax, Malibu, Equinox, and Trailblazer, all over 30 miles to the gallon. And our brand-new Blazer EV, 320 miles of range. Lots of great options. Stop and see Matt and the gang here. Graph of Okemos, they're making friends. To everyone who appreciates a fresh meal that comes from the heart, let our team member Emma tell you what's special about the Culver's Way. We take great tasting burgers seriously in Wisconsin. Favorite recipes, fresh ingredients, real Wisconsin cheese. It's a place where traditions matter. So of course it's where Culver's Butter Burger was born. Fresh, never frozen beef, seared to perfection, then topped with a lightly buttered toasted bun. What can we say? To us, it's a whole lot more than a burger. It's a taste of home. From, from Wisconsin, Wisconsin with, with love. love. Welcome to Delicious. Hey, Spartan fans, when you want the largest and best selection of Spartan gear, Alumni Hall is your ultimate shopping destination. Come get your officially licensed gear. Nike, Champion, Columbia, Yeti, New Era hats, tailgating gear, and more. MSU students, faculty, and military receive 10% off in-store every day. And you can earn cash back with their Hall Pass rewards. Alumni Hall, located in Eastwood Town Center near the Apple Store. Or shop anytime at alumnihall.com. For the ultimate Spartan shopping experience, it's Alumni Hall. Welcome back. It is The Drive with Jack. Spotlight Radio Network. And Jack Ebling here with my producer, Boston Rob. Rob, do we have our next guest on the line? I'm working on it. Give me one minute. We'll get him. Okay. All right. Sounds good. Uh, we have baseball tonight, just one game. This is a National League game two. And uh, that is Arizona at Philadelphia. Uh, gets stretched out a little bit more uh, once we get to the championship series. First of all, we don't have four uh, games, four matchups. We only have two. But we have college football almost every night of the week now. I mean, you've got games Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Remember when they had Maction in the middle of the week and everyone thought that was so weird? Now, if you're only playing on Saturdays, that's unusual unless you are maybe in a major conference. And even then, even then, uh, there are games on Thursdays and Fridays. So a little bit different. And uh, for the Big Ten, the season has not begun uh, in the East. Uh, will this week with Penn State and Columbus to face the Buckeyes. All right, and then Jack, in November, it's time to get uh, your Glasses oh. ready and filled up with that Honolulu Blue Kool-Aid. All right. I want to welcome in Trent Bally. Follows the Detroit Lions as closely as anyone his age could and has for a long time. Now, he is a radio producer beginning a new gig down in Tampa. 
I would have thought, Trent, that they could have rescheduled that game last Sunday and waited to play it until you were down there. I did hate to miss it. I will, I will admit that. I, as the move was lining up and everything, I had my eye on it, and I wanted to try to make it happen, but not so. Well, I have to congratulate you, not just for your new gig, but for surprising me. I said I thought the Lions were going to win the division. I said the Lions clearing nine and a half wins was one of the best bets on the board. But when you start talking about 13 or 14 wins, I said, well, you know, uh, uh, Trent's a young, young guy. I mean, you know, he doesn't quite understand what he's saying. And uh, you <laughs> might be dead on. I'm looking at this team right now and looking at the schedule, and I could see 15-2, and 14-3 certainly, and I'd be shocked if they didn't win 13. Yeah, that's kind of why I said the floor was 10 going back to the, the – the uh, preseason discussions we were having just because they won nine games last year. And you think that with the culture Dan Campbell's building and the incredible off seasons and incredible drafts that Brad Holmes puts together, you can get at least one win better. Now um, there's still plenty of work to be done and they're banged up right now. So they really have to put their nose to the grindstone and keep working hard for these wins. But you know, it certainly helps when, uh, when you, when you start five and one, and I'll tell you right now, this team deserves a hell of a lot of credit for bouncing back after that Seahawks loss because that easily could have been a turning point early in the season, and they responded in a huge way, as we're seeing. All right. If Rob gave you $10 for every game that you predicted right the rest of the way and $1,000 if you nailed all 11 correctly, which games do the Lions lose the rest of this regular season? I think at Baltimore is going to be tough. Uh, that was one that I picked as an L before the season started. But it was that, and the Chiefs game was the only two Ls I saw before your bye week. So I think you can go into the bye week at 6-2. and two, And then from there, I think you're beating the Bears twice. I think you're beating the Packers at home. I think you're beating the Vikings twice. I really I, I struggle to find a, another loss. And I, I know what about that at Dallas? At Dallas might be tough, but I... I'll, uh, sure, we'll throw that one in there for the sake of you know. Let's not let's not get too overzealous here. I got to stay okay. somewhat planted, and yeah, but I'll, okay. I'll go with fourteen wins. Okay, fourteen and three. Uh, Rob, what do you think the Lions will finish? I'm going to go thirteen. I think uh, I think thirteen is what we're looking at now um, with what the schedule lies ahead. But uh, I didn't think that at the beginning of the year. So what do I know? So, but I'm going to go, since you're having me put another suggestion, I'm going to go 13. Okay. Yeah, I think uh, maybe a swing game there. Could they lose at Minnesota? Yeah. yeah maybe. Could they they're lose? Gonna, they're going to lose a game they're not supposed to win, right? I mean, every team well, has that. Well, you moment. would think that, but not necessarily. I mean, we see college football teams go through 12-0, and and they don't stub their toe. They go through mm-hmm. and... But you this see is the, the best NFL, teams. man. Every team has a clunker of a game. And I don't know if the, the Lions truly have had a clunker of a game yet. No, they haven't. Well, it would, you wouldn't say Seattle was? No. No, no. 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 Well, maybe they won't. They might be the exception to the rule. Uh, I would think that maybe the Chargers, although that is not much of a, a home field advantage out no, there. No, so not at all. Not at all. You will be the way uh, the Lions. Almost many Lions fans. Yeah. I mean, the way the Lions fan base is traveling right now, 
I, I just yeah. I don't see I, I don't think they're going to have any advantage out there. The Chargers won't. I think it's going to be a it's going to be a fifty five sixty percent line tilt in that building. I really do. Yeah, I, I just think that the Chargers are dangerous now that they have Eckler back. Uh, I think that uh, their offense is very interesting. And uh, you got Herbert. He's capable of having big games. He, he had a lousy game last night. Missed two wide-open receivers for touchdowns. Uh, but with uh, Eckler and, and you know, you, they've got a very, very dangerous receiver on the outside. They've got a pass rush, I think, uh, where they can hurt you. So there are enough ways that you know the Lions are going to have to show up in that game. But no kidding, uh, I would I agree agree with you that you know maybe one more, two more. That's kind of what we're looking at right now. Now you're talking about home field advantage. Maybe throughout the playoffs, certainly the first round, and maybe after that, what would that mean to a team that hasn't lost on the road yet? Oh, it would be huge. I mean, just winning this division would be huge. Uh, for this fan base, for the city, for the organization. I mean, it w- what a way for Brad Holmes and Dan Campbell to plant the flag three years in to go win the division that the, the Lions haven't ever won as it currently stands right now with the four teams that are in it. So pretty remarkable stuff that would be. And then, like you said, if you're able to secure even maybe the one seed. I mean, this is, what, this is the crazy world we live in now, Jack, is when you're watching the Lions game, you have one eye on the 49ers-Browns game, and you have one eye on the Eagles game, and you're, you're watching those games, you're scoreboard watching, because it absolutely does matter to your team's outlook. Uh, when you look at what it would mean to this team to have home field advantage in the playoffs, and uh, everyone said, hey, they just want to get a home game in the postseason, uh, they could have a couple of them. could be home all the way through to the Super Bowl if the right situations happen here. What would that mean? The road to the Super Bowl runs through the Detroit Lions? Are you kidding me? That would be amazing. Again, it's just taking these steps. and It's almost like we're in an accelerated universe with this Lions team because it's almost like last year served as the first step of making the playoffs, even though they didn't, but it certainly felt like that, and the optimism yeah. was there going into the offseason. So now you're able to skip ahead a little bit and yeah you could win multiple playoff games because if they're in ford field we know that building's going to be rocking i i don't think it's foolish to say ford field is quite possibly the most hostile environment in the nfl right now it has shades of 2013 seattle shades of uh you know the the chief's kingdom over the last couple of years mm-hmm. like this fan base is loud and proud and if these games are being played in detroit like you continue to say, Jack, it would mean the world to these fans. I saw some video uh, in Tampa, not of the game, but of the concourse and the pregame, and you would have thought it was Ford Field. I mean, the Lions fans giving it to the Tampa fans, Tampa fans walking with their heads down, kind of sheepish, uh, like, uh, God, you know, who are these invaders that just came into our house? Uh, not what you would expect from maybe the road team and its following, but uh, I don't know how many tickets the Lions fans can get in Baltimore. Uh, that is a very well-supported team. I'm guessing uh, New Orleans and L.A. and certainly Chicago, uh, those are going to be easy road trips for Lions fans. 
Yeah, and I mean, I would throw Dallas in there, too, just because it's such a big stadium. So there is yeah. naturally going to be more tickets available. And it's, that's a destination for a lot of, lot of fans that want to go around and check out these stadiums. Jerry World is right up there as a top three or four stadium that a lot of people probably want to check off their list. But, Jack, when you talk about Tampa and what that stadium looked like, I mean, if you add in the context of Tampa came into that game 3-1 and one, coming off their bye week, you would think that more Tampa fans would want to show up after the bye. And also, they were a first-place team. They were 3-1 and one coming into that game. I mean, it's not they're, they're no slouch. Someone's got to win that NFC South division. Um, so, kind of just weird stuff. But ultimately, you tip your cap to the Lions fan base because they are really a part of this engine. Lots of injuries, too, for the Lions thus far. They've overcome them. Now, without David Montgomery, that's going to change a few things. Uh, what concerns you? What is the big worry? What is the sleepless night for Lions fans? For me, it's just the I, – I would like to see a few less drops. That's for one. Um, but, I mean, other than that, Jack, it is just health. Because I think if you have the best – I mean, I think you. I think you're going to be the best football team when you line up with almost anyone in the league if you're healthy. Because top to bottom, Brad Holmes has done such a good job building this team. But it just feels like you can't catch a break with a David Montgomery or a Kirby Joseph or Emmanuel Mosley, C.J. Gardner Johnson. Guys are dropping like flies, and all of a sudden it's like you're a little nervous because the betting line is moving or whatnot based on injuries and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. But hey. So Alliance credit, it hasn't really mattered yet. It hasn't reared its ugly head. So the dam could break there, and I really hope it doesn't happen at Baltimore. But um, that, that's got to be the number one concern, I think. Sprinkling the drops, of course, but the, the injuries are 100% the biggest concern for me. And knock on a nearby Sequoia. but Absolutely. W- would you guess that uh, if uh, Jared Goff or an Aiden Hutchinson, what he means to defense, if either one of them went down, we would see uh, the Lions have a fall-off. Yeah, I mean, just like, I don't want to say just like any team in the league, but, I mean, if you lose your starting quarterback, you lose your starting quarterback halfway into the year, let alone a season where you're 5-1, and one, then, yes, you would definitely see a significant drop-off there. The silver lining would be you might get a look at Hendon Hooker or something like that, but the way that Jared Goff's playing right now, um, and he deserves – massive credit he deserves all the flowers you can find thrown his way um yes i think losing him would be a bigger loss than hutchinson honestly you remember when matthew stafford was dealt to la and uh mixed feelings some said you know good riddance some said he deserves a chance to win which he did he did win his super bowl there and others said good good for the lions because now they can start this rebuilding process they're going to get draft picks um, but I don't think anyone was wild about getting Jared Goff. He was almost like uh, the guy you had to take in the trade. And now you look at it, and Stafford's having a, a very good year, but so is Goff. Yeah, and the the funny thing is, when you look at that, as you alluded to, Jack, Matthew Stafford was traded uh, for first-round picks and, and that kind of thing. Jared Goff was traded with picks, and uh, he's – kind of won the long race here. I understand that, obviously, Stafford in the short term uh, clearly had the, you know, won the Super Bowl and then 
Last season, though, I mean, a little bit of a drop-off, and this season quite a drop-off from where the Rams have been in, in recent years. So, yeah, Jared Goff is playing the he's, – he's running the marathon, not the sprint. And, he, like I said, he deserves a ton of credit for being, being able to just sit in there, not make too many mistakes, and lead this team to victories. And it's one of the best offenses in the league just humming right now. When do you head down to Florida? Uh, my first day on the job is the 30th. That is a Monday, and I'll be able to get off the clock and go watch the Lions beat the Raiders on Monday Night Football. Uh, Rob, this has not worked out well. I mean, I would have thought that uh, high on Trent's list would have been being in Tampa for the game last Sunday and being in Ford Field for the Monday night game. You're going to be 0 for 2 with that, but uh, the rest of the Lions fans will try to hold up their end of the deal for you. Oh, yeah, it's never been easier to wave the flag in my entire uh, life as a Lions fan. So I've, I've always got friends and family who are there representing for me. And, um, yeah, I mean, maybe if I'm lucky, I'll be able to make the trip back to Thanksgiving. But, hey, one thing I'll tell you right now, Jack, the, the Lions season tickets are kind of an investment for me, honestly. Right now I'm not able to go to those games. <laughs> These tickets are hot, and they are selling yeah. fast. So that's not, a, that's not a bad consolation prize, I guess. Uh, Rob, uh, do you know how old Trent is? Early 20s, right, Trent? 23, yes, 24? 20, I'll, I'll be 24 next month. Yep. Okay, so still 23. Rob, do you know many guys at age 23? You've been around a lot of broadcasters, including some really old, like Earl Robinson was. Right. And, you, and yours truly. But uh, you've seen some young talents, Dalton Shetler and some others, maybe a, maybe a little older. Yeah. Uh, than Trent. Uh, you think he could handle a show? I'm thinking that this guy is destined to have his own show. Oh, absolutely. As a matter of fact, he and his good buddy Luke Sloan subbed in for you uh, when you were away on excursion. They did. So yeah, I'm what to get a my tremendous show that was. So yeah. absolutely. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. And uh, Trent, just don't forget about our lonely little producer back here in Michigan. You know, anytime you need me to come down to Tampa Bay, I, I'd be more than happy to, you know, we'll work it out with Jack. Just remember hey, the little I, people back here. You know what I mean? I really appreciate your guys' votes of confidence, in all honesty, uh, all seriousness. I, that is the dream. If I can have half the career that Jack's had with this show, um, I will die a happy man. Well, I, I can see at some point uh, Trent coming back here and doing a show at oh, Spotlight. Yeah. Now, this, this uh, Rob Bennett producer thing, we're going to have to talk about that because there's a big buyout <laughs> on his contract. <laughs> uh, Trent will get that uh, Detroit Lions deal, though. You know what I mean? We'll give Trent a good D- Detroit Lions deal, right? Hey, I, I've got a joke with my friends and family that when it comes to my professional life, all roads lead back to the Motor City. So we'll see ah, someday. There you, go. there you go. We'll be waiting and for you, bud. It could happen. Hey, uh, we have to ask you one more question before you go. Michigan-Michigan uh, Michigan State football, uh, you were here with Impact and as a Michigan State student. What memory stands out to you the most of the series? Has to be trouble with the snap. I was in my basement. I was a sophomore in high school. We, all my buddies, we had just gotten our driver's licenses, so we were just fired up to all meet up and, and watch that game. And we were in my basement watching it happen in my house. And, you know, anytime you're in that familiar of an area and you see that stuff happening, um, I mean, you're going to remember that forever. But I will also say the five-touchdown performance from K-9 my senior year of college, that one's unforgettable yeah. as well. Some great stuff.
Yeah. That was uh, funny. I remember uh, Aiden Hutchinson looking at his license plate five times on that. Oh, yeah. That was a, I just remember one game. Were you uh, with Michigan fans and Michigan State fans in your basement? Uh, for the Kenneth Walker game? No, for the uh, trouble with the snap. Oh, no, just You state said fans. you were in your basement, just, right? Just my state All buddies. State. Yep, the Michigan buddies had their own uh, haven, and we were in my basement with the state guys, so that was awesome. Okay, sounds great. Well, uh, thanks for giving us a tip. You're the first one who told us how good these Lions were going to be. And uh, I tell everybody now, I say, well, you know, there's one guy who kind of predicted it. And, uh, you know, uh, a uh, child shall lead us, I guess. You know, you, you had it all figured out. So uh, good luck down in Florida, and we'll talk to you soon. Hey, thanks, Jack. A blind squirrel finds a nut every now and then. The broken <laughs> clock is right twice a day. You know, eventually, if I keep saying these Detroit teams are going to be good, eventually it'll happen. Thanks for having me on, guys. <laughs> Trent Ballard, Detroit. Uh, Rob? fun uh enjoyed the show today blue belly tom tom crawford talking a little michigan basketball and of course football getting ready for uh the game saturday night uh should be fun uh got another night game and michigan state's only played one noon game all year that didn't work out quite as well as they envisioned uh also want to thank george blaha a Hall of Fame voice of the Detroit Pistons and MSU broadcaster since 1971. Jim Stark, Michigan Sports Legacy Conservancy, weighing in on a Major League Baseball, Red Wings, Pistons, Lions, Michigan, Michigan State, you name it. And Trent Bally, uh, he is the number one Lions uh, observer of anyone under the age of 25. We will be back tomorrow, everyone. Big show planned for you. Enjoy the baseball tonight. We'll talk to you soon. Have a great night. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.